While we eat food every day, when shopping for food, planning our meals, or preparing and cooking food, we may be unaware of how food is related to common health issues, to food insecurity, and to a lack of wealth building in underserved communities. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. In this program, we hope to make sense of just how these disparate elements are closely related and a reality for people in many black neighborhoods. In the process, you'll meet Larry Franklin, a young black man from Austin, Texas, who lives in a marginalized community where he faces multiple problems. Well, I grew up in Austin, Texas, um, in an underserved community. Um, a lot of childhood challenges that you can expect or associate with poverty. So somewhere within that journey of growing, um, I was introduced to selling drugs. And as you could imagine, um, coming from poverty and seeing an opportunity to make a financial gain, most likely you'll take that opportunity. It seems like norm within the culture, and it is norm within the culture. So I experienced it um, for a numerous amount of years. And was incarcerated for it. While in prison, Franklin began thinking deeply about his life. You just, as you age, you begin to think and reflect. At least I did. And I reflected on all the years that I've spent doing the same thing and the result that I got. And the result that I got was one that I wasn't, <clears throat> that I wasn't happy with by far, wasn't satisfied with it. And so uh, I made a conscious choice to change. I made a conscious choice to no longer go back. I got out and I had like no skill, like no certificates, you know, no education. So, and that's all a product of poverty, you know. When you come from those environments, you're not pushed to educate yourself, you know. If anything, you stay stuck in a really, really self-destructive cycle for numerous amount of years. So you gain nothing that's, I guess you could say, acceptable to the world, or you gain nothing that will let the world know that you have skill, that you have talent, that you are a, a thinker, whatever. So when I got out of prison, um, I got out just like that with nothing, except for the idea of wanting to do better. Larry Franklin is now the founder and executive director of a nonprofit organization called Black Lives Veggies, which brings young people from Larry's community the knowledge and resources to learn how to grow their own fresh produce. He's co-owner of a company named GROW, which stands for Generating Revenue the Organic Way. The company's business is growing organic microgreens, which they sell to restaurants and through local stores. Franklin also serves on the City of Austin's Food Policy Board and the city's Joint Sustainability Committee. But it wasn't that long ago when he was coming out of prison looking to do better. Then he found a job through Goodwill. And I ended up getting a landscaping job. Stayed there for a few years. Um, started off as just like a helper. Throughout that process or that part of my journey, I got the opportunity to educate seniors about the plant grow harvest process. And um, that's kind of what really introduced me to growing vegetables because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I have people skills though. 
and the senior citizens had no idea what they were doing. But I was able, well, my soft skill, which is the ability to communicate and comprehend, it created a bridge between me and the audience. And that bridge led us to being in the garden. And we would just, we did like a lot of trial and error, you know, and we always didn't have success. As a matter of fact, we rarely had success, especially in the summertime in Texas. But we did a lot of trial and error. And that trial and error, I feel like, was, you know, another bridge to build a bond. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Larry Franklin, and he is the director of a program called Black Lives Veggies. Um, so now, uh, so you got this landscaping job, and then there was a national event that kind of pushed you to create Black Lives Veggies, is what I understand. Tell, tell us about that. When, when George Floyd had um, went through his process that resulted in his death, I wasn't paying attention to it because we, we hear so much about um, individuals, black and brown, you know, dying in the arms of police or in the hands of police. So I thought it was just like <clears throat> another one of those things that you see. Oh, yeah, okay. But everybody was talking about it. And still, I didn't pay attention. And when I did pay attention, I was like, I don't know. It's just so different. It's so different because when you shoot somebody, it's like a fast death, you know, most of the time. It's, just, it's a fast death. And so you don't really get to see what it's like when a human is dying. You just look at the dead body. But. George Floyd experience was different because we got to watch him die. And we got to watch the words that he selected, his voice, tone. We got to watch all that. Everybody did. And that hit different, meaning it said a lot about our society, which is sad. It says that we don't understand one another. We don't respect one another. When I say we don't respect one another, nor understand, it was a petty crime. That's the first thing. Following that petty crime, he was strangled to death. So it's like, are you not aware that you are taking a human life over a petty crime? Slowly, like you person that's actually putting your hands on this man, like, are you not aware of that? And then the surrounding audience, everybody watched. Phones out, recording it, but nobody's conscience said, go do something. So to me, it was like, wow, look at us. You know, look at us, not just the police officers, but look at us as a society. Look at where we are today. And that's sad. That's sad to see that, one, a life can get took through strangulation. Two, why everybody's watching. That shocking event in late May 2020 led to protests and demonstrations in cities across the country, including in Austin. 
At one such event, Franklin came to the realization that served as the impetus for the creation of his nonprofit, Black Lives Veggies. You know, I came and I had something on my mind. And I think it was like at one point in time we had winded up in front of the police department. With my anger inside of me, I walked up to the top of the steps and I stood there in front of a police officer, a little bit of fear, because I don't want to go to jail, but anger inside of me too. So I walked up the steps and I stood there and I looked at the police officer and then I looked back. And when I looked back, I seen so many people. And I was like, wow. Just imagine if we did this every day. If, if somebody, if a citizen was offended in a way that resulted in death or, you know, in a way that resulted in something that's not a reflection of law and order. If we did this every day, then surely we would have a way better society. But we don't do it every day. And a lot of the reason why we don't do it every day is because people are too busy tending to their own lives, which has a lot to do with money. We have to earn. This is a capitalist society, so we have to earn. When I saw all the people and I looked at what I was doing, which is growing food, I felt like if George Floyd would have had more money, it would have been different. Now, he could be black. It's just if he would have had more money, things would have been different. So to me, in my mind, it's like, well, how do we get that, that respect from law and order? Well, you don't get it from saying, hey, don't do this to me. You still get God. We don't get it from peaceful protests as we can see things still happen. I hate to say it, but we get respect from law and order based on our earnings. And within my community, there was not many options. You're going to play ball, you're going to sell drugs, you're going to rap. Well, let's loosen up those options. And let's become food producers. Let's become people that grow food and sell food as a way to small scale stimulate our economy. You got to get some money out here. You got to, man. It's, it's one of the only ways that I know that you will truly be respected. And so I felt like with Austin having a food insecurity issue, it was urgent to me to pave a way as fast as possible and then invite others in so that they too can have the same experience, but even more so be an earner, be a producer of food. To me, it was one of the industries that was um, like not tapped into. Food insecurity. We'll get to that in just a bit. But first, who are the food producers? More than 95% of American farmers are white, while 1.3% are black. That wasn't always the case. A 2019 article in The Atlantic magazine found that over the last century, 98% of black owners of farmland had their land taken away sometimes through legal means, but often with the help of Jim Crow laws, threats, and outright violence. Black farmers have historically faced persistent discrimination from at least one government agency, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. 
A recent National Public Radio analysis of USDA direct loans showed 36% of black applicants were granted loans compared with 72% of white applicants. We know that ownership of land or property is a major way in which families build wealth. By taking that away, many black families find themselves consigned to living in cities, where once again they were prevented from owning property through redlining and other means that kept them poorer and apart from the white population. Many of those same families live even now in mostly black neighborhoods, where they experience food insecurity because they have no or limited access to full-service grocery stores and little or no access to fresh produce. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and we're going to return now to Larry Franklin. I asked him to explain the term food insecurity. So food insecurity is when there's like, to me, when there's not a grocery store within X miles radius of a household, and instead there's a corner store, you're food insecure, meaning that you don't have the nutrients that you deserve or that's recommended via the United States Department of Agriculture to be a healthy individual. You don't have that means within your personal access. The access is beyond the means that you currently have. You may have a snap card, which is the means in terms of dollars, but the means in terms of actually finding that nutrient value that you need as a human is outside of your means. You would have to add in another element or another layer, which makes life complicated for you. So I think that currently, this structure or this experience exists um, because of something called the 1928 Master Plan. 1928 Master Plan was a plan that was created here for Austin, Texas, that kept blacks and browns within a certain area and deprived them of resources intentionally. A part of that still exists. That's why we don't have many supermarkets here on the east side, because it's a reflection of the lack of resources that were originally set in place for a group of people. Their proximity to a grocery store or their proximity to a institution, building, business that provides the nutrients that's needed is outside of their ability most people in low-income areas, um, they don't have a car. And so they use public transportation. So that's the, that's the, the layer of um, challenges. Right. And then if they do got a car, most of the time people with low income have a very, very tight family dynamic, complex. There's a single mother with multiple children. So from the time that she wakes up to the time that she goes to sleep, she has to do everything precise because she manages her family. She gets up, gets her kids together, runs them to school, etc., rarely having time to go and even make a purchase of the food. 
And when it does happen, when she does have the opportunity to make a purchase of the food, her selections are based on her lifestyle, meaning she needs everything to be instant and fast. So we have a bunch of TV dinners or microwave dinners or instant food. Truly, she cares about her kids, but she doesn't have the time to educate herself on the proper nutritional intake that's needed for her kids to be healthy. So, Larry, if you can explain, when you talk about nutrients, what exactly are you referring to? Good question. Um, so you have, like, a there's vitamins, and those vitamins help your body um, grow, develop, fight off disease, fight off bacteria. Um, they help out with a lot of things. And those vitamins predominantly come through vegetables. Uh, when we go to the supermarket, we see things like man's one a day, where you take one pill one a day and it's packed with vitamins, which is, you know, cool. But even then, there's a challenge because your body has a certain way of digesting things in its authentic fashion and the vegetables have the vitamins that's needed and your body digests those vegetables and the vitamins best. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I first contacted Larry Franklin when I heard about Black Lives Veggies and how the murder of George Floyd had moved Franklin to begin that project. Franklin's journey was not an easy one. He got some help to start working with young people, teaching them about vegetables, about seeds, about growing vegetables. The idea is to have African Americans and brown people um, selling vegetables for two reasons, to get familiar with the vegetable, to eventually begin to eat them, and to earn a type of income, to make this culture norm, to make this culturally cool. So... Finishing up our program, it was predominantly um, student-athletes. But a change in zoning took away the land on which Black Lives Veggies was working. Sounds familiar. Franklin says his own youth and inexperience also got in his way, and eventually the project, which he had hoped to make into a commercial venture, was turned into a nonprofit. Without land, Franklin had to come up with another way to grow vegetables. Went from Black Lives Veggies to Black Lives Veggies, the nonprofit. And currently we have one program, and it's called Legacy, which teaches underserved athletes about the plant grow harvest process of vegetables through hydroponics, though. A game is used to teach about the nutritional value of vegetables. It was, it was a game that we introduced to them. It was it was pretty cool, actually. Um, and that's what they said. You know, we come in and we introduce the program to the youth and those that are interested, you know, they, they let us know. We had we had two sets of cards and um, one set of cards was the image of the vegetable. The other set of cards was um, things like physical description which is like one of the ones that instantly lets the kids make the connection. But following like the physical description, you have hydration content because they were athletes and we wanted to educate them not just on nutritional value, but on the hydrational content of the the vegetable. So we had hydrational content, we had nutritional value, and I think we had like, oh, did did the vegetable have the ability to, could you harvest from the vegetable and it will grow back? And uh, 
They did pretty good. We got some complaints like, man, you should have had more information about this one. So we had a graduating class of about 20. We were able to um, give them signed and sealed certificates and buy everybody a Leatherman's jacket. Did you have any, uh, what, what was their reaction? Where were they excited? What, what, how did they react? It, they, were, they were excited about it and it felt good. It felt good to be back in a place that I was able to recognize and to get that feedback from somebody who reminded me of me, you know, when I was at that age. We actually became like cool, you know, be like, what up, what up, you know, it's just like, it was cool. Like, that's what I want. I want to see relationships built in a different form. Like, we're not selling no drugs. We're not talking about no violence. We talking about vegetables. And it's cool. Like, that's cool. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Larry Franklin. Was it uh, difficult in any way to get young people interested in what you were trying to teach them and in raising their own food? Yes, it's definitely challenging because there's a culture norm, you know. So one of the things that played in my benefit is my appearance within certain environments. Other environments, my appearance does not play to my benefit. But for that particular occasion, it played to my benefit because they can see themselves in me. And it kind of lowers some of the barriers or some of their, you know, unconscious concerns. But when we get to talking about vegetables, it's like, oh, man, you know, everybody want to kind of, you know, head out the gym. So it was difficult. It was very difficult. But that's where that soft skill come in. at. you know, where you got to you understand that I understand that they're not familiar with this. I understand that. It has a benefit for them, but there's going to be like a gray area where they're not sure, they're uncertain, um, their emotions are not able to like tack in, their comprehension is not able to tack in. So I have to help them get through that gray spot so that we can achieve the end goal. And how did and you did that? Yeah, we obviously. did. We did. We yeah. did. When you, we're outside and we're actually building the hydroponic towers, and we're getting to the point to where we're doing seed selection. And um, at that point, we have a like a bunch of seed packs out, and we give each individual a seed pack, but we like allow them to communicate with each other to do swaps. And so it's just like when I stepped back and I looked at it, I'm like, wow, it looks like they're selling drugs, but they're swapping seeds, and they're into it. Like everybody's head is down, like. You know, nobody's like, oh, man. I'm like, wow, that's what it's about right there. So, like, bro, what you got? I got lettuce. Okay, what you got over there? I got some kale. Let me get some of that. You know, it was like, yes, that's it. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and we're bringing you the story of Larry Franklin. The Food Policy Board that Franklin sits on advises the Austin City Council about how to improve the availability of locally grown, nutritious, affordable, and sustainable food to local residents, especially those in need. You're working with these different boards. So when you're, when you're on these boards, you're talking about food policy, right? Mm-hmm. And innovation in uh, community agriculture. What, uh, what kinds of discussions and, and what, are you, what are you trying to get to? So what I want to get to is a point to where we are able to 
in me, like my personal take, it's about resources. It's about setting up resources with easy access for anybody that wants to even think about growing food. That's that's the goal. If somebody woke up, if a single mother that lives in an apartment complex and has space to grow indoors or outdoors wants to grow, I want her to be able to get up, figure it into her schedule, go meet with somebody, and get the resources that she needs to be able to grow. And not just to grow, but to sell also. So that means that a market is already there for her. Like, that's what I want. But it's different when you're in these rooms because you have a group of people, and that's like a like politics, you know. And most of the people have um, that same level of of interest and concerns, let alone goals. It's just the processes of getting there. It goes through like a long process. Motions have to be filed, recommendations, drafts, get submitted to the city, you know, like these processes are what really drains people. So it's it's a long, difficult process to get to some to to a point where you can actually take action. I think I think honestly, every every problem that goes through government, it's long. Unless it's like <clears throat> Unless it's like something that, like a national disaster, you know, there's immediate responses to national disasters or things like that. But when we're talking about unveiling a problem, in these spaces, to unveil a problem is one layer, you know. Once the problem is unveiled, it has to become common and accepted with the group. So have you, have you, been surprised at anything as you've worked through these various programs that you've been involved in? Oh yeah, surprised about a lot of stuff. I was surprised. Good surprise. Bad surprise. <laughs> Bad surprise. I was surprised that sometimes politics could be very sloppy. Not sloppy like I don't like you and you don't like me. Sloppy like why is all this data here with no pilot program behind it? Why is all this data here with no funding behind it? Why are we advertising this program with no funding behind it? If we had funding one year and there's no funding now, what are we doing about that? Because you're projecting that this program is is in existence, you know? And if it's not in existence, if it doesn't have the funding, we need to do something about it. To me, that's sloppy. Any good surprises? Good surprises is that sometimes politics can work. Sometimes it, it can work for the people. And sometimes... Some solutions require a big effort. You know, it requires a team of people to look at and analyze. So that's a good thing. Is uh, Tell me, what, what are you working on right now? So, uh, so right now it's a, more of a focus of hydroponics, um, which is pretty much, for lack of better words, plastic PVC that produces vegetables. And it's vertical, so it takes up less space. It has the ability to produce more. So how did you learn about this? How did you uh, set up this whole so, program? Um, I learned about it just from watching TV, seriously. Um, my motivation for it, though, was the fact that I didn't have the ability to purchase land. 
And so it's like, where am I gonna grow? You know, I don't have money to buy land. Uh, nobody I know really has land. What am I gonna do? But hydroponics end up being the path that we're now taking. And I'm proud of it, very proud of it. This has been Mothering Earth about Black Lives Veggies, a program to get young people, especially those in underserved neighborhoods, to become producers of fresh vegetables. Thanks to our guest, Larry Franklin, and thanks so much to you for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. The views and opinions expressed on Mothering Earth do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of this station.